like that. You Hello, everybody, and welcome that. to like this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all are having a good week so far. I know I am after a very tiresome weekend, but we'll get to that in a little bit. First off, though, let's make sure we go over the housekeeping items. Make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman or X. Or X, is it officially X? Like the app got updated on my phone, and the logo got updated on my computer, and the logo's updated now. Is it X now, or is it still technically Twitter? I'm not, I'm not sure either way. It's Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page, and like and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. I've got some things planned for college football season, the NFL season. We'll get to that in a little bit, though, for the YouTube channel, so stay tuned for that. And But most importantly, as of right now, make sure you're following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. Make sure to leave a rating on a five stars on both. And leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. You can leave a one-star rating or a five-star rating. Obviously, I would appreciate the five-star rating more than a one-star rating, but as long as you let me know why you think it's a one-star rating, then I will be okay with it, I guess. But uh, yeah, we're here. We're tired. It's been a it's been a very interesting week to say at least. There was a nil percent chance that we were going to record a show on Monday or have a show out for Monday. There was next to no chance that was going to happen. And this weekend was just extremely eventful on every single front imaginable. So let's start off with Saturday. Let's start off with Saturday. No, let's start off with Friday. Let's start off with Friday because Friday was kind of funny in high in in, in uh in certain aspects. So the day went on as normal, and I'm sitting there. I'm dry. I'm sitting in the office. I'm about ready to leave for leave the office from work, or leave the office to go back to my apartment. And Tom texts me and says, "Logan, what are you doing?" I said, "I'm about ready to leave work. I'm about to be at my apartment about five ten minutes. What are you doing?" He said, "Not much. You want to do something?" I was like, "Sure, let's do something." So he picks me up from my apartment. This is about uh, four o'clock, four thirty, and we're sitting in the car. We're about we're driving down one forty one. We're sitting there like, man, what are we gonna do? What are we going to do? We didn't really have a well-thought-out plan for this. It was kind of just, well, let's just get in the car and we'll t- see where it takes us. So I say, hey, we did this last time, and I, t- I ate a later lunch at like 1 o'clock or something like that, one thirty. so I'm not like particularly hungry at this point in time, but I'd be open to like going to Jordan Creek Mall or something, walk around a little bit, mostly just around Shields, and then we go eat dinner after that, which will put us around like 5 o'clock. And he was like, yeah, that works perfectly. So we go to Shields, we walk around, we do all that stuff. We look at all the, the insanely priced things in the hunting and fishing sections, namely the binoculars and the scopes. We were talking about putting a massive-ass scope on a hand cannon, which has been pretty funny and pretty cool, would it have not been as expensive as it was. Now, after we get done with Shields, we go over to Kane's. It's right down the street. It's a very good place. I would highly recommend, not sponsor or anything, but I would recommend I like Kane's quite a bit. When it first got put over there... In West Des Moines, we were working at the Walmart right across the street. I ate canes like every other day, it felt like. I never had it before. It, it just got implemented into the system. So I was like, oh, I'm going to try this place. And then I liked it, and we were just over there. So I was like, well, you guess what? I'm going to go back over there. And I kept doing it, and I love canes a lot. Canes a very good place, but I, you need to pace yourself a little bit when you go to canes. You can't eat a lot at that short amount of time like I did back then. I was younger back then. I was younger back then. I was moving around a lot more. I'm in the office now. I don't move around as much anymore. I was playing college football at the time. So I, I, I kept playing. I was on a college football team at the time. 
so I can afford to do that. I can't afford to do that now. I just get all fat. So I have to space out my Cane's trips. And I love eating it. It's just the feeling afterwards is not always the greatest feeling in the world. But that's, that, that varies from person to person. That's not the part that's funny, though. The part at Cane's that was funny, we got inside, went inside, stand in line, and there's these high school kids that are about, I don't know, probably about 17 years old. You know, I, you know, the average age for an elder high school student that can drive 16 to 17, 18 years old, stuff like that. Looked like high school wrestlers. One of them still had their singlet on, which, nasty, nasty. If you still had your singlet on, that is disgusting. I don't know what you were doing with it, because it's freaking July, or was July, it's August now. It's July. I don't know what you were doing with it. That's disgusting. If you're wrestling with your friends, that's fine, I guess. Still gross. But they're in line, and I overhear one of the kids say his name's Logan. I'm like, oh, that, that's my name. That's my name. And Logan is ordering his food and gets all of his stuff. I go after them, order the food, and then I go to get a drink. And I sit down. Tom's behind me. Tom ordered after me, and Tom orders his food, comes over, sits down, and I hear the name Tom. It's like, what? What the hell are you doing with your food? What are you doing with your food? I, I didn't hear my name get called at all. And Tom goes, well, no, they called your name right before mine. I, said, I didn't hear it. And you know, they called your name right before mine did, I swear. And we look over, this dickhead named Logan has two Cades <laughs> baskets. He stole my Cades order. He stole my Cades order. He was eating two things of Cades. And he's a high school kid with a receding hairline, so you know what? I had to let it slide a little bit because, you know, you got if you're going to lose your hair by age 19, you got to be at least funny. You got to have at least something going for you. So I'm sure the, the friends he was with, he was with like three other friends, they probably got a massive kick out of it. I would have as well. And it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, that big of a deal. It was kind of funny. I was like, oh, this kid's hilarious. This guy's a, probably, this guy's a jokester over here. Just because his name's Logan, he went back up and stole it because I didn't hear my name called. Thankfully, I didn't need to pay for it. Pay for it again. I ended up getting my food anyways. But it would have been funny, or not funny, it would have been funny for me to interact with this other Logan if I needed to pay for it again. Thankfully, I think there was some relationship between the the receding hairline I the receding hairline Logan and the guy at the register. Because he kind of laughed when I said, Hey, did you call my order what's your name? Logan. And he looked over my shoulder and kind of gave a little chuckle. And he was like, Yeah, we'll get what kind of your receipt. And he gave me my food. It was all fine. But I was like, God, this kid. This kid. And what's weird about it, I'm freaking old as hell. I'm like eight years older than this kid. I'm like eight years older than this kid. It's weird for me to think. Like I go to high V, I see kids pushing carts. I'm like 10 years old. I was 16, 15, 16 years old working at high V. I'm 10 years older than the people working at high V. It doesn't feel like I'm that much older. It doesn't feel like it's been that long since I worked at high V. But man, that Kane's experience is like, dude, they were talking about it too. You could tell they were talking about it. They were having a good old time. And Tom and I were just sitting there like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Tom was telling me to go over and take the food back, which I should have at least gotten a chicken strip or a, a French fry out of it. But since I got my own food and I didn't need to pay for it again, again, things would have gone a whole hell of a lot different had I needed to pay for it again. That wasn't happening. That definitely wasn't happening. So after the whole Kane's ordeal, Tom and I went to the arcade this old school arcade over in Grimes, pretty fun place. So we went back to watch a movie. Saturday rolls around. Saturday is another eventful day. So Friday was just eventful evening. 
Saturday was an eventful day. And I mean, the whole day was long. Such a long, a lot of driving back and forth on Saturday. So it started off, I went to go to the gym, workout. Because remember, I'm better all you. I work out all the time now. So I go to the gym, workout, come back to my apartment, shower. And I have to go meet my parents up in Madrid, which is about like 15 minutes away. And like 10 minutes after I get back to my apartment, I got to meet them at 10. I got to meet him at 10 o'clock up in Madrid we're looking at a house. And I'm looking at this house and I'm like, okay, I got to run because I got a bachelor party to go to. And they're meeting at Smokey D's, which is up in Des Moines, close to Ankeny. And I, it'll take me about 20 minutes to get there, 30 minutes to get there. I got to be there. The time set is 1030. So I got to be there around that time. And I left the house at 1030. But we were going to this house, obviously, because we were looking for me to buy a house. And that was obviously, you know, the main goal in that. So I was like, okay, I got to run. I got to run. If you want to put a bid on it, throw on this specific amount of money, and then I'll be good to go. Because I really like the house. I'm open to putting a bid on it. That's fine. Put this on it. I've, I've got to go. You guys continue to talk about it. If you need anything, call me, text me, email me, whatever. I got my phone with me. We'll be we'll get all that sorted out. So I head down to Famous Dave's after I go to Madrid. <laughs> Which, again, a long-ass way away. So I go to Famous Dave's. I eat lunch there because they're going to play golf. It's Justin, who's been on the show before. It's his bachelor party. Zach Tracy was there, who has also been on the show before. He's been on the show twice up to this point, I believe. He's he's requested to be on a third time because he won our fantasy football league last year. So he's, he's like, he's contractually obligated, or I'm contractually obligated to let him on the show because he beat me in the championship game. I almost had a, a perfect year. In fantasy football, I was in three leagues. I won one of them, lost the championship in two of them. I almost won three championships. I almost won the treble this year in fantasy football. We'll try to get that again this year. We'll try to get. I just reactivated the league. Zach and Justin are in, and Kevin, who's also been on the show, I think once, but he's also requested to be back on the show. So we'll see if we get him on again. Well, we're gonna get him on again, but it's just a matter of when that is. We reactivated the league there, so we'll see if we get the treble this year. But I go to Smoky D's, eat lunch. And then I'm sitting there, they go to play golf, and I've got other things to attend to, so I can't go to the golf outing, which is over at Grandview, which again, not very close to where I was needing to be <laughs> later in the day. So I go over to my grandparents' house to kind of wind down a little bit, I meet up my Nana and my cousin Josh, we're sitting there, BSing, and then I gotta run. I gotta go, because I've got a wedding party to go up to, you guessed it, back up in freaking Madrid. So I gotta go up to Madrid, and this is Brady's wedding party, who has been on the show quite a bit. So I had to go up and get ready for his wedding party. So I come home, come to my apartment, get the essentials. I got to get a projector because they wanted to watch UFC fights on the projector. So I had to bring that with me. I go back up to Madrid. I hang out there for most of the day. And then Justin, they're going to the casino after golf. They're going to Prairie Meadows after golf. So I'm like, okay, my plan originally was to go meet them at the casino after golf. There was 0% chance I was going to play golf. It was the exact same time. And nine holes of golf, regardless, especially with that amount of people. I think there was like 10, 12 people in this group. So it was going to take a long time. So it was going to overlap exactly with Brady's wedding party. So there's no chance I was doing that. So I told him I'll try to make the casino. And then I get a text from Tom, who we just brought up, who we were with Friday. Johnny, our childhood friend, we all grew up in the same neighborhood. Me, Tom, and Johnny did. Johnny's sister is having a baby. And it was her birthday slash baby shower on Saturday as well. So I'm at the wedding party, about ready to leave to go to Prairie Meadows. Tom calls me and says, hey, 
You should come to Andy's baby shower. That's his sister, Johnny's sister. You should come to her baby shower. Hang out with us for a little bit. I was like, okay. Well, I haven't seen Johnny in about a year. Maybe a little bit less than that. I don't remember the last time exactly he's been in town. But he lives out in Montana. He's the person we go and visit in Montana. So I, okay. I've known Andy for a lot of my years in my life. I obviously grew up with Tom and Johnny. So I've got to make at least some sort of cameo appearance. So I text Justin. I was like, hey, I can't make it to the casino, which is all the way out in Altoona. It was about a 45-minute drive to where I was anyway, so who knows if I would have gotten there the same time uh, they did or would have gotten there in enough time to do anything with them before they headed off to dinner. So I was like, hey, I'm going to go to Andy's, which is in Grimes, a lot closer, right by my apartment, essentially. So I went there, stopped over there for a little bit, hung out with Tom, Johnny, uh, Andy's husband's friends, hung out with them for a little bit for about like a half hour, hour. And then I text Justin or give Justin a call. I was like, hey, uh, I'm going to head to the the restaurant where we were meeting for dinner. It was a Terra Brazil, uh, Brazil Terra. I can't remember what it was called. I got freaking stuffed. It's one of those places where it's strictly, it's all meat and it's on like these sticks and they cut it off the stick and it's like unlimited meat until you quit. They've got these little toppers in the middle of the table that you can flip over. One side's green and one side's red. If it's green, you're still good to go. If it's red, you're done. Good lord, I haven't eaten like that in for freaking ever. I got so freaking stuffed that day. And then we're leaving the restaurant. I've got to go back up to Madrid. I've got to go back up to Madrid to go to Brady's. So I tell Justin, I was like, hey, I'm going to try and meet up with you guys downtown. I don't know how likely that is, but I've got to head back up to Madrid. And then I go back up to Madrid, and I stay there the rest of the night. I got a pounding headache for like the entire evening after that. So I'm just, I'm exhausted at this point. A lot of driving went into this, but I said I was going to be at these places, so I had to make appearances at these places. Regardless for how long or short of a time it was, I just had to make my presence there at least. No, I'm not saying like I was the life of the freaking party at all these things, but I don't know. You say you're going to be somewhere, you got to be somewhere. Like It's simple of that. And I tried to make it work as best as I could. I wish I could have been at Justin's longer, but things just didn't work out that way. I appreciate Justin for inviting me to the bachelor party. I appreciate Brady for inviting me to the wedding party. I appreciate Tom and Johnny to invite me to Andy's wedding shower or baby shower. And as for the house, we got the house. So that was another <laughs> exciting event that happened. I found that out at Brady's place. I found that out at Brady's that we got the bid. It was between me and one other person and they ended up going with my offer. So I got a house, which is very exciting times. So, yeah, again, Saturday was an extreme, insanely eventful day. I didn't get back to my apartment until about 1, 1.30 that night. I was freaking exhausted. And the funny part was I was talking to my dad uh, on Saturday because I had to go stop by the house for a little bit. I was talking to him there. Everybody I was with, <laughs> for the most part, was under the influence of alcohol. And maybe under some says, I don't know. But for the most part, it was all alcohol. But since I was driving the entire day, I was just chugging water. I would drink for a tiny bit. I didn't drink at the restaurant at all. I drank at Brady's for a little bit. I didn't drink anything at lunch apart from, I think I got a mellow yellow or something because I knew it was going to be a long ass day. And yeah, so I was on a completely different playing field than everybody else at these parties, <laughs> but it was still fun. It was still fun to see everybody. There's a lot of people that made an appearance at Brady's wedding party and got Kona ice, which is a little slushy things. I don't know. I don't know if you'd classify them as slushies, but you know, they were good. They were good regardless. Food was good at all places. So, yeah. Again, thank you to everybody that invited me to these places. 
I wish I could have been longer at all of these things, but tried my best. I tried my best. You can't, God loves a trier. That's what we got to say. God loves a trier, but excited about the house. I'm really excited about that. So we'll, we'll try to figure out the final dates for closing times and all that stuff, but it's looking good so far. It's looking good so far. Got all my information sent over to the leasing agent yet or today. And I got most of it sent yesterday. Got some of it sent or the rest of it sent today. Got the inspection inspection lined up. Got everything lined up. So <sighs> we're all good to go. So Saturday was <laughs> it was a a whale of a day, and we got some fights that happened. Terrence Crawford beat the absolute shit out of a Roll Spence. Awesome fight. And I'm not I'm not hyperbolizing when I say this. That was one of the greatest performances I've ever seen in a boxing match. Terrence Crawford, who we already knew was a great boxer. He's my favorite boxer. As of right now, or as of right now, he's been my favorite boxer for the past, like, however many years. We've talked about him quite a bit on this show when he fights. Arul Spence is a very good boxer. A very good boxer. Terrence Crawford make, made him look amateur. I don't think I've seen a performance like that in a while. Like, the the second Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder fight is another one that kind of comes to my head with when in regards to that. But Terrence Crawford took little to no damage. I've never seen this before. And watching combat sports, whether that's boxing or whether that's UFC, I have never seen a 10-7 round in my life. And Terrence Crawford got scored a 10-7 round in round eight. I've never seen that before. Earl Spence had never been knocked down in his career, got knocked down three times in this fight. It was an insane, insane encounter. And Terrence Crawford solidified himself as arguably the best fighter of his generation. Pound for pound? That's a little up for debate. I've always thought he's the number one. I've It's been him and Canelo for me. But I understand why other people might think differently. But just an awesome fight. And then you saw Justin Gaethje knock out... Or, yeah, Gaethje knock out Poirier. Insane fight there as well. The UFC card was stacked. It was just a very fun weekend. Had a bonfire after it. It was just... It was a, it was a fun weekend. Fun weekend. And then Sunday, sat in my apartment till about like 4. <laughs> Didn't do anything until about 4. And I met some friends over at Texas Roadhouse in West Des Moines. We walked around Shields again and then uh, went back to one of their places and played Settlers of Catan. Fun night. Fastest win of my life in Settlers. Took about 10 minutes to win in Settlers. 10, 15 minutes. The last game, so he played at 10 points. The three of us, the final scores, Jake ended up winning with 10. I had nine. Aaron had eight. And I had all the cards in place to win, and Jake went before me, and he won. So someone, Aaron was not going to, he had, Aaron was kind of just out of it at that point, but if Jake didn't do it, I was going to do it. So it was just a matter of when do we want to end this game? Do we end it now or do we want to end it in like 30 seconds? Cause it's going to be ended regardless, but fun weekend, very, very fun weekend. But again, there was no chance I was in hell. I was going to record a show for Monday, even though there was things I wanted to talk about, but there was just no chance that it was going to happen. Logistically, it just didn't make any sense. But there are still some things we can talk about today that carried over from the weekend or have been carrying over since last week because things have obviously happened. So we record these shows again a day in advance. So the things would happen on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then Monday and Tuesday, which is today. And it's about 5 o'clock here on Tuesday. And there's still things that I want to talk about. (laughs) There's some things I still want to talk about from this past weekend. But the main thing I want to touch on first in the sporting world touches on a a position that I wanted to be when I was a kid, when I was a little kid. 
This is the position I wanted to play when I played football. My favorite player of all time played this position, and that's the running back position. A position that is getting more and more I don't I don't know if I, I don't know how I want to word this. Devalued, I guess you could say throughout the times, and a lot of these big contracts are kind of scaring people because you've seen in recent years with like David Johnson, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, among others, where they get these injuries and they're just not the same person after uh, investing a lot of money in these people. Now, they are elite players, but they battled a lot of injuries and turned out like Todd Gurley retired. Todd Gurley's retired. It's just insane. Todd Gurley was one of the best players in the NFL in his prime, fully deserving of that contract. It just so happens that his knee, he has the knees of an 80-year-old. You know that scene in The Dark Knight Rises where they're analyzing Bruce Wayne's knees? And it's like, I've seen worse cartilage in knees. And he goes, oh, that's good. No, because there is no cartilage. That's kind of what Todd Gurley's knees are. That's what Todd Gurley, what Todd Gurley was an offensive player of the year in the NFL. Like, Todd Gurley was a freaking beast. The moment he recovered from his ACL surgery in college and ended up playing in the NFL was a freaking beast. But those injuries have started to scare people a little bit. David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Zeke went down immensely. Like, these are some great players, and you're seeing some of the best players in the NFL are still at the running back position. The Derrick Henrys, the Christian McCaffreys, the Saquon Barkleys of the world, they're going to be wanting big contracts. But with the current state of the NFL being this pass happy, and there not being a real reliancy on a quote-unquote three-down back or a quote-unquote bell cow type of guy, Teams are starting to look away from that. Like, there's teams... The the fullback position is slowly but surely... I shouldn't even say slowly. Quickly getting phased out of the NFL. Monty Potterbaum was at Iowa. He just retired. He just got to the NFL. And he's already retired. Went to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Retired. The Bills have a fullback. Apart, and the Ravens have a fullback. Who all has a fullback in the NFL? Those are two teams off the top of my head that I could think of that have a fullback. It's Pat Ricard for the Ravens and Reggie Gilliam for the Bills. Is C.J. Ham still in the Vikings? As far as I'm aware, he is. Kyle Juszczyk. But one of those things that all those guys are, they're not your traditional fullbacks. They all can do things. I shouldn't speak for C.J. Ham. I'm not 100% sure on C.J. Ham. But as for the other three, they can all do things in the pass game. They're all in, uh, not inept. They're all adequate enough. In the past game. I'll have to talk to my Vikings correspondents about that one. I'm not 100% sure. But it's quickly getting phased out. I don't think the running back position will get phased out completely. There's so many good players in the NFL that play the running back position. But the money is just not there at this moment in time. Like Christian McCaffrey even got a massive ass payday. And he struggled with injuries ever since then. Dude was a thousand thousand player. We've had like six thousand thousand players in NFL history. 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards receiving. We've had like six of them. We've had like two in the 21st century. That's Chris McCaffrey and I think Marshall Falk. I think Roger Craig might be one of them. There might be three. There might be three. I, I Those are the ones off the top of my head I can think of. But the thing that's been popped off recently is Jonathan Taylor. A guy that almost single-handedly won me a fantasy football championship. A guy a couple years ago, we said could have been very well been the MVP of the league. Like, if you're looking at other positions apart from quarterback in the NFL, the most likely position to win MVP is running back. But again, 
the money is just so insane that people are starting to ease off a little bit. Like, these players are some... Again, Jonathan Taylor is one of the best players in the NFL. I understand he had a down year last year, but the entire Colts team, especially the offensive line, had a down year last year. Quentin Nelson looked pedestrian last year. Quentin Nelson was the best guard in the NFL the moment he stepped in the NFL, and he had one of the worst years of his career... No, the worst year of his career last year. The Colts were a freaking mess. Hopefully that gets solved this year, but Jonathan Taylor requests the trade, and then Jim Ursay takes to Twitter, and it's just freaking weird about the whole thing. Like, I don't understand what this tweet is supposed... Like, I understand to... I... I don't know. I don't know if I want to say, like, I understand where he's coming from, because I really I really don't. I really don't. What did he... Oh, yeah, here it is. If I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us, Ursay said Saturday. The league goes on. We know that. National Football League rolls on. It doesn't matter who comes and who goes. It's the privilege to be a part of it. That's, uh... Yeah, that's not a great... It's in okay. Let's figure out how we're gonna word this. In the grand scheme of things, at face value, is this right? Like, is this correct? The NFL will not end tomorrow if X Y Z happens. The NFL is gonna last for years upon years after. But the way in which it's said, in the context which is said, is the problem here. Dude's going for a contract, and he go, well, guess what? If he die, if we if we die. We die. <laughs> it's going freaking Rocky Four on us. If he dies, he dies. Type thing. Like that's not the way we should be looking at this here. Like if John, if he really feels that way, I would not be shocked if Jonathan Taylor either a does not play, or b they're gonna have to trade him. They're gonna have to force his way out. Request a trade. Jim Irsay's comments pair with the fact they haven't get, made him a contract offer is the reasons he has requested a trade. So you got Jonathan Taylor, again, one of the league's best running backs, requesting a trade. One of the true bell cows in the NFL. By the every sense of the word, Jonathan Taylor would qualify underneath that bell cow mantra. And the reason he started to fall in the draft, I say fall, he got drafted in the second round, but it was because of the tread on the tires thing. Remember we talked about during the draft process where, where teams are like, man, he got a lot of carries. He's freaking awesome in college, but that could slow him down in the NFL. I don't remember who said this the other day, but the running back position is the only position that gets devalued the more they're used. The better they are, the more position gets valued. Like Jonathan Taylor's stock dropped because he had X amount of carries more than the next best guy. Clyde Alaire had a really good season at LSU, but in regards to a college career, he is not better than Jonathan Taylor. Now you're starting to see this platoon system where they're not looking to have a a Jonathan Taylor in your backfield. You want multiple guys in your backfield in order to kind of keep this thing fresh. That's how a lot of teams are looking at it right now, especially when it comes to the draft. Running backs in the first round, that's slowly becoming (laughs) a non-factor. I say that in a year where we just have Beezer Robinson go 7th or 8th and Jameer Gibbs go 12th. I understand that. Those are oddballs nowadays. We had Brees Hall, the NFL college football NFL touchdown leader for consecutive game. What was it? Consecutive touchdown scored? Consecutive games with a touchdown or something like that? Broke the NCAA record. Got drafted the second round. Second round. Jonathan Taylor. Thousand yard, two, two thousand yard seasons. Second round draft pick. That is insane. That is insane. Derrick Henry, Heisman, Heisman Trophy winner. 
Second round draft pick. Derrick Henry, one of the best running backs in the NFL. Depending on who you ask, might be considered the best running back in the NFL. Me personally, it's Christian McCaffrey. But I've talked about before the ability to catch the ball to the backfield, being a multifaceted player. LaDainian Thomas and Marshall Falk, some of my two favorite running backs of all time. That is important to me. I don't want to say anything negative about Derrick Henry because I think he's amazing. But Jonathan Taylor requested trades. So there's one. Austin Eckler, earlier in the offseason, requested a trade because his contract offer was, if I'm remembering correctly, was offensive. We got Ashley Cole crashing into a tree because they offered him 50K or something. I'm not saying it's that level. but <laughs> Then we got Saquon Barkley signing a one-year deal while Daniel Jones is on a four-year, what, four-year four 160? Daniel Jones, Vanilla Vic, Danny Dimes, Derpy Jones. Tony Pollard on the franchise tag. Dalvin Cook released. Dalvin Cook being released is insane to me. It is absolutely insane to me. Dalvin Cook is easily one of the best running backs in the NFL. And he's still without a team. There's a lot of people linking him to the New York Jets. There's a lot of rumors going to the New York Jets. He's not signed. He hasn't signed anywhere yet. And the Jets just drafted Brees Hall. <laughs> and now they're talking about getting Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is still a free agent. Dalvin Cook was just ranked in the NFL top 100 players, and he's not on a team. Isn't that insane? <laughs> then we got Ezekiel Elliott released. That one, okay, that one makes sense. I don't think he's anywhere near on the level of the people we just mentioned, so I think that one makes sense, especially with the money he was on. Joe Mixon took a pay cut. Joe Mixon, Mr. Consistent, doesn't fumble the football ever. He was getting talked about getting cut this offseason. Before the draft, they were talking about cutting him. Aaron Jones took a pay cut. One of the best dual threat running backs in the NFL. Kareem Hunt, unsigned. Still, I guess I didn't even realize that. I guess I didn't even realize Kareem Hunt was unsigned. Leonard Fournette, unsigned. I'm not a massive fan of Leonard Fournette, so I'm not I'm not really too moved by that one. But it's a tough time to be a running back in the NFL. The, the history of the NFL, in many ways, was forged by running backs. You look at some of the greatest players throughout NFL history. Like, you'll just look at the top running backs of all time. Walter Payton, Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, LaDainian Tomlinson, Emmett Smith, Adrian Peterson. Like, some of the greatest players. And these are not just great players at the position. They're great players throughout the history of the NFL. And as the running back devalues, the wide receiver is valued even more. To now we're talking about fantasy football, which is always considered a running back league, is now slowly becoming a receiver league. And it's hard for me to still wrap my head around that, but with the platoon system coming in, it's hard to guarantee your guy get touches. And they have goal line backs, they have scat backs, they have all these different things now. Like, the Bills struggled to play three running backs last year. And now Naheem Hines is hurt, tore his knee up on a jet ski while he was sitting idle, Didn't even wasn't even doing anything, was just sitting there, got ran into. So hopefully for speedy recovery for Naheem Hines. But the Bills struggled to implement all those guys last year. It's a, it's a sad, weird time. Sad, weird time. Again, my favorite player of all time is running back, LaDainian Tomlinson. Love LaDainian Tomlinson. That's why when I say, when you look at like the unbreakable records in NFL history, I think his 31 touches is untouchable. His 28 rushing touchdowns, not even just his total touchdowns. His rushing touchdowns is untouchable because of the fact we are getting this platoon system set in place now. Like these running backs there, Jonathan Taylor could do it. Barkley could do it. Josh Jacobs holding out for a deal. Josh Jacobs had a freaking year and a half last year. Delvin Cook could do it. And the Vikings are going to roll out with Alexander Madison, who I think is a very capable running back. 
but I'm sorry. Even the most diehard Alexander Madison fan, diehard Vikings fan, who thinks the Vikings are doing absolutely nothing wrong, would not say Alexander Madison is better than Dalvin Cook. No one would say that. So I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued to see how this all plays out this season. We'll see what team trades for Jonathan Taylor. I saw something a little bit ago. Uh, uh, where was it? Someone said that teams were looking at trading for Taylor. It was like six teams or something were looking to trade for Taylor. But I did see this too. So uh, plot twist. Uh, latest news. The Colts are contemplating placing Jonathan Taylor on the non-football injury list. NFI, due to a back injury, suffered away from the team. Which Jonathan Taylor has stated via Twitter or X, that's not true. This means if Taylor Taylor did not play this season, his contract would just be would just toll to 2024. They would have they would have the right to not pay him anything in 2023. The move has not been made yet, but the Colts continue to fight this one out publicly. The Colts also, in the same breath, allowed Andrew Luck to keep the entirety of his $24.8 million contract that they could have reoccupied, or recouped, sorry, after he abruptly retired. To see them go to this measure with Jonathan Taylor is remarkable. This is the two sides, quote, pissed off at each other with no sides of improvement. So yeah, I'd be relatively shot if Jonathan Taylor played for the Indianapolis Colts this season. And Zach Moss, former Buffalo Bill, broke his arm. So he didn't even have a backup running back at this point in time. And Jonathan Taylor, per what I've seen through player interviews, has been there. Has been through all the meetings and stuff like that. So he's still in the building. But it's just not the most ideal situation. And now, without Jonathan Taylor and without Zach Moss, the only player on the Colts' active roster with 100-plus carries is Gardner Minshew. The Colts have no other players that have over 100-plus carries in the NFL. Gardner Minshew is that. A guy who has been relatively a backup his entire career. I know he had that one season with Jacksonville where they went 1-15, beat the Colts, ironically. Had a few games last year. But man, it's a weird time for the Indianapolis Colts. Good thing they drafted Anthony Richardson. Good thing they drafted Anthony Richardson to be the running back this year. Because that might be the route they have to go. I saw a bunch of tweets <laughs> following this Jonathan Taylor stuff about them just running quarterback draws the entire game. Quarterback sweeps the entire game. And you know what? I think he could do it. I think Anthony Richardson has the body type to do that. A lot of the notes that I've seen from Colts camp about Anthony Richardson have been overwhelmingly positive. And one thing I saw today was something along the lines of, he just looks so much bigger than everybody else out there. He's a freaking monster. He's a big-ass dude. Yeah. Yeah, welcome to it. Welcome to the Anthony Richardson experience. And Daniel Jeremiah... He went on the air the other night and said, Colts fans are going to have some fun this year. Now, that's with Andy Richardson. Everything else has been going on. Not the most fun, not the most ideal situation in the world. With the old Jonathan Taylor situation, with the Zach Moss situation, with the Jim Ursay publicly coming out and saying if Zach Taylor was not, or Jonathan Taylor was in the league anymore, no one would care. The NFL would still go on. It's just an odd, it's an odd offseason. It's a very odd offseason for the Colts. With a new front, with new coaching staff and everything too, it's a, it's a weird time to get all this going in. But about Anthony Richardson, I am really excited to see where he does this year, what he does this year. Like, I think this dude could be a real problem. I've said this since the moment he stepped on the field last year, two years ago. Two years ago. This dude has all the talent in the world. And it's kind of funny. So he came in to the combine at 244. 
ran a 4-4-3-40. Richardson now weighs 255 pounds. 255 pounds. He's up 11 pounds from the combine. Richardson has been impressed, been impressed against coaching staff, especially how quickly he's picking up things. Quickly, he's picking things up. He's been able to take and play calls and speak them clearly in the huddle throughout the offseason practices, which is something rookie quarterbacks often struggle with, per Albert Beer. Breer. Anthony is showing the capacity to learn fast. Richardson was recently given the first team reps in training camp as he competes with Gardner Minshew for the QB1 job. I think it was last week we talked about this regarding uh, Anthony Richardson. Where is it? I don't know if I still have the screenshot about it. But their target date for Anthony Richardson is sometime around week 10. Before or at week 10 or something like that. If I'm a Colts, I've said this since he got drafted, play this dude now. I think you have the benefit of having Gardner Minshew there. Having a guy that can, you know, worst comes to worst, Gardner Minshew can be a, sta- a stable bridge quarterback for you and ease Anthony Richardson into the starting role. But I wouldn't even bother with that. I wouldn't even bother with that. The best way to learn sometimes is trial by fire. And look at what happened with Josh Allen. It struggled early, but you're seeing the re- you're receiving the rewards now. Justin Fields could be a similar story. Justin Fields could be a similar thing. Got thrown into the fire with the Bears with a terrible ass team. And now we could be seeing what he could be this year. I think there's a lot of people that are, I don't want to say overrating Justin Fields, because I think Justin Fields is a very good quarterback. I think he's got all the abilities to be a very solid quarterback in the NFL. But I think the hype at this point in time is a little much at this point in time. Do I think he's a top 100 player? I think I could see an argument for it. And he was like 86th or something. Do I think he's better than Trevor Lawrence? No, I don't at this point in time. Could he? I don't know. Time will have to tell on that. But as far as Anthony Richardson, I want to see this dude play right away. I want to see this dude play right away. And we'll talk about Justin Fields here again in a little bit, but we want to go over his rookie compatriot, uh, Anthony Richardson's rookie compatriot, and Bryce Young, who is looking very, very good in Panthers camp at this point in time. He's looking very, very good. And he had a recent interview today talking about he was a DoorDash driver. Yes, college kid has college job. No way. Now, he's been someone who's already been announced as a starter. He's already been announced. Which, to the surprise of relatively nobody, he was named the starter. Andy Dalton's there. Matt Corral is there. Apparently, Matt Corral's going to get a decent amount of preseason reps to hopefully get traded somewhere and get an opportunity in the NFL. Who knows? But Bryce Young, awesome quarterback. Awesome quarterback. And I saw a lot of things surrounding uh, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young the past couple days. Because Bryce Young obviously went one. C.J. Stroud went number two. And depending on who you ask, Bryce Young was number one or C.J. Stroud was number one. I saw this on Twitter. C.J. Stroud was reportedly, uh, reportedly would have been the first overall pick if he went to LSU, Alabama, or Clemson, according to one NFL scout. Teams reportedly were scared by the helmet and forgot how to scout the player, according to the, to the same NFL scout. And someone responded to that, or, you know, Bryce is better. And then you got a dude responding to him. Not even close to being better. Check the tapes. And that's kind of the thing. Um, if you do check the tapes, it weighs heavily towards Bryce Young. And my, I say heavily, like C.J. Stroud, some ass quarterback. No, 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 no. is not way like C.J. Stroud looks ass compared to Bryce Young. I don't think that at all. But if you're watching the tape, you can't really tell me definitively what C.J. Stroud, that puts him over the top versus Bryce Young. I think he's more accurate than Bryce Young, but that's not even enough to even constitute saying that he's better than Bryce Young. 
Like, Bryce Young is accurate. Bryce Young's more accurate on the run than C.J. Stroud. In the column pocket, C.J. Stroud's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football history. That dude could freaking, what do you call it? He could, you know what? I've never heard this analogy be used before, so we're going to say it here. <laughs> if you threw a needle in a haystack, Bryce Young could hit said needle in the haystack with a dime. That's how accurate he is. C.J. Stroud's an insanely accurate quarterback, but in regards to arm strength, that edges towards Young. In regards to athletic ability, that edges towards Young. In regards to ad-lib ability, that edges towards Young. Accuracy, that slightly edges towards C.J. Stroud. Because again, Bryce Young's insanely accurate as well. Insanely accurate. And then C.J. Stroud's bigger. That's it. But you saw what Bryce Young, what Alabama was without Bryce Young this past year. And that one game against A&M. This is one of the worst Alabama rosters in regards to the offensive side of the ball that we've seen in recent years, which is insane to say when you have a quarterback like Bryce Young. When you look at the receiving core, you look at the O-line, it was not the same as what we've seen throughout Alabama's history. And you look at C.J. Stroud, who has a tackle taken in the top six pick in Paris Johnson. You have two receivers, and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, they were taken in the top 11 picks last year. You got freaking Marvin Harrison Jr. getting taken the top 10 picks next year. Mecca Buka might be a top 10 pick next year. Travion Henderson might, again, we're talking about the devaluation of a running back, might be taken to the first round next year. Well, there are a lot of factors for C.J. Stroud that edge him over Bryce Young, except for the actual player. Team-wise, you would take C.J. Stroud's team 1,000% of the time. 1,000% of the time. But I always feel safe with Bryce Young. There's times I look at C.J. Stroud and I get nervous. I get nervous. But you see in the game against Georgia in the college football semifinal, he has games like that. But you have games like he did against Michigan in back-to-back years. It's like, I like C.J. Stroud a lot. We had him as the number two quarterback in the draft class. In regards to what he is now, I think Aether Richardson can be better than both of them. I think he can be better than both of them. Now, that being said... There is one thing that I've said in the past that is slowly starting to rear its ugly head. Not by anybody that I've not said it personally to me, but it's starting to rear its ugly head, and I see it all over my social media pages. What did I say during the 2021 NFL Draft? Does anybody remember? What was Logan's big takeaway for the 2021 NFL Draft? What was that? For those of you who don't remember, Logan's big takeaway from the 2021 NFL Draft is that Trey Lance can be better then Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson. I said that with chest numerous times on the Logan Blackman show. Am I ready to give it up at this point? No, not 100%, but it's not looking great. It's not looking great. So there were some conflicting reports I've seen throughout this offseason in regards to how good Trey Lance was doing. I saw George Kittle, I think it was on the Pat McAfee show, say Trey Lance was looking really good. He looked better than he had in the years past. Like, he looked really, really good. But I've seen some stuff this week that have not been the most flattering towards Trey Lance. Like There's things that I'm not really thrilled to say because of the fact I was such a big Trey Lance fan when he was coming out of college. And I see all these graphics about which QB will take the biggest leap in year three, and Trey Lance is on there. And in the same breath, sticking with the number three, he is apparently the third-string quarterback in San Francisco behind Brock Purdy and former third overall pick, Sam Darnold. So the number three keeps reappearing there. Year three, third string behind a third third overall pick. 
Now, Brock Purdy has been cleared to play. This was announced, I think, two weeks ago or something like that. Cleared to play. And then this was an ad from ESPN. Both of these are from ESPN. The which QB takes the biggest leap in year three is Lawrence, Lance, Fields, and Jones. I don't think Lawrence – Lawrence is fine. Lawrence is relatively considered a top ten quarterback. There's no really leap to take there. But then you got this one. So you got the leap in year three, and then if Purdy's the clubhouse leader – Here's what it can mean for Lance and Darnold. I haven't clicked on the article. I just took a screenshot of said article. But, uh, or said said headline. Report the vibe coming out of from the San Francisco 49ers camp is that Sam Darnold's QB2 and Lance is QB3 from Pro Football Talk. So who knows if that's true. And Lance, former third overall pick as well. Kind of forgot about that one. So there's more threes in there as well. I think Lance is the wrong quarterback for Kyle Shanahan. I think he's the wrong quarterback for Kyle Shanahan, and I'll tell you why. And I've brought this up a couple times on the show, not a lot, or maybe a lot more than I'm giving myself credit for, but I brought it up a decent amount, I guess. And that is the same thing that his dad did when he was the head coach of Washington. Same exact thing. Organization wants RG3. The coach does not need a quarterback like RG3. The coach needs someone that can do the job. We don't need to expand it. We like our system. We think it will be working with somebody that can just pull the strings for us. Enter in Kirk Cousins. By all accounts, athletically, tools-wise, is Kirk Cousins better than RG3? Not in 100 years. Not in 100 years. Is Kirk Cousins athletically gifted, anywhere near as athletically gifted as RG3? Who is, I believe, an Olympic qualifier? For hurdles, or something like that, Heisman Trophy winner. But in that system, he worked so much better than RG3. And that's the same thing. We talk about system. The quarterback makes the system. If you don't feel comfortable with a quarterback in that system, it won't work. And RG3, as athletic as he was, as gifted as he was, tried his best to work that system, but then they kept putting him out there when he was clearly hurt, and his career swiftly declined after that. And Kirk Cousins has not only excelled since then, he just got ranked in the top, what was it, top 50 players in the NFL? Which I think is a little high. He's like the sixth best quarterback in the NFL according to the NFL top 100 players list. But I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a very good quarterback. And he's starting to get a little bit more respect than what he has been receiving the past few years. Because a lot of Vikings fans that I've heard my Vikings friends complain about, the people on Twitter is that Kirk Cousins is the center of all and every single problem that is the Minnesota, is within the Minnesota Vikings. When he's not. He's not. If anything, he's the best thing you've got. Well, I caught myself. I caught myself because obviously Justin Jefferson is. But <laughs> he's a very good player. Very good quarterback. Hall of Famer? Hell no. But good, solid quarterback. Same thing we got going on here in San Francisco. The entire front office, John Lynch and co., wanted Trey Lance. Because he's the most raw prospect in this class. Easily the most raw prospect in this class. But from a size standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, from an arm strength standpoint, Trey Lance had all the potential in the world to be one of the best quarterbacks in this class, if not the best quarterback in this class. But Shanahan does not need somebody like Trey Lance. Shanahan, it was well reported at the time, Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones. But the entire organization wanted Trey Lance, so they took Trey Lance. Trey Lance does not fit what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. 
And he's not willing to budge off that. I think Trey Lance could definitely um, expand said offense. But the Shanahan's are famous for not wanting to do that. They're just like, hey, this works. Let's do it. He went to a freaking Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. He just wants a guy that can pull the strings and fire to the right people and not turn the ball over a shit ton. Enter in Brock Purdy, who was not that at Iowa State. Let's just get that over the line. Brock Purdy was a great player at Iowa State. Arguably the greatest quarterback in Iowa State's history next to Seneca Wallace, but you know, you can factor in a lot of things with that. Because look at the players Seneca Wallace played with and the time Brock Purdy was there. So it's like, there, you could, you could, it's like 1A and 1B, really. Yards-wise, statistic-wise, all edges towards Brock Purdy. But that's another point. Brock Purdy tried to do a lot at Iowa State. Brock Purdy and Brees Hall were considerably the best players on the team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So they needed to do more for Iowa State to get to where they thought they should be. And Brock Purdy would try to force the ball a little bit. To sometimes his benefit and sometimes to his detriment. His time in the NFL, he has not done that. You see all these people in the NFL talk about well, what happened. Why did we not take Brock Purdy earlier? Why did he fall all the way to the last pick of the last pick of the draft? Iowa State fans, I don't even know how many of them would say they would have drafted him. He's a good quarterback, good college quarterback, but that's a lot of quarterbacks throughout the history of football. Good college quarterback, don't know if they'll translate to the NFL. What Brock Purdy has done so well. In his time in the NFL, it's a short time, short time, but what he's done so well is not do too much. Brock Purdy has done a good job at getting the ball to his playmakers, who he's got the best skill position players as far as a core goes, maybe in the entire NFL. With McCaffrey, with Kittle, with Debo, with Ayuk, like you've got an absolutely insane core of players around you. Not to mention one of the greatest left tackles of all time and Trent Williams blocking your blind side. Like, all you need to do, in theory, I guess, because obviously not everybody, not every quarterback can do this, but all you need to do is not turn the ball over and get it to said playmakers. This is what old saying we had at William Penn. If you're stuck on a read or you don't know what to do, give it to your playmakers and let them make plays. So like if you had a, a, a read option play and that you weren't sure if the DN was crashing or staying, hand it off. Fullback can get the yards. Fullback, we had some very good fullbacks at William Penn. We've talked about them on the show here before. We've had some very good fullbacks at William Penn. So just give it to your playmakers and let them do the work. That's what Shanahan wants in an offense. So I think John Lynch would definitely be pushing for Lance to get a chance. I've said this. He'll get every chance to get that job back because they have so much invested in him. All the picks that were used to Trey Lance, they have turned into Bradley Chubb, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddell for the Dolphins. Three of the best players in the Dolphins. The fastest receiving core in the NFL. One of the best receiving cores in the NFL. Receiving duos, I should say. And Trey Lance is now the... Apparently, I don't know if this is 100% true. Apparently, is the third string quarterback behind Brock Purdy, last pick in the draft, and Sam Darnold, who is now on his third team. This is not looking great. For 2021 version of Logan and current Trey Lance. So I'm just hoping that if he looks good in preseason, so the chances of him getting the starting job I thought would be a little higher because I thought Purdy would be out longer. I didn't think he'd be ready to go right now. But since he is, that kind of lowers his chances of starting again to next to zero at this point in time. Unless he completely torches the preseason. Which is, it could happen. 
It could happen. Maybe Purdy shits the bed in the preseason. Maybe Darnold shits the bed in the preseason. But the problem is, you're not going to get any value for Darnold in the trade trade market. You're not. Again, this is his third team. He willingly accepted a job where he was not going to be the starter. By most accounts, nobody thought Sam Darnold, when he signed with the 49ers, was going to be the starter. No one thought that. So Sam Darnold knew well and good that he was not going to go into camp as the starter. It was going to be Purdy or Lance, and it seems like he's past Lance. Now, for Trey Lance... If San Francisco doesn't work, I want him to go somewhere where his skills could thrive. And I think somewhere, like the Falcons, would be a very good spot for him. That was kind of the team I wanted to draft Trey Lance in the 2021 draft. They were were linked heavily to Trey Lance throughout the whole draft process. And you got Trey Lance there with B. John Robinson, Tyler Algier, Algar, sorry, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, You've got a very solid core, young core of players right there. Because who knows if Desmond Ritter's going to do it this year or not. But another place I would like to see Trey Lance go is Minnesota. Because Kevin O'Connell, I would be relatively shocked if he wouldn't be looking to expand his offense a little bit more. Kirk's on a, He's on the last year of his deal. I think Kirk's playing on one-year deals throughout. He's 35 years old. He's not looking like he's slowing down at all, but I don't think the... Vikings would be opposed to signing the one-year deal and then drafting a quarterback next year. I think that's what their plan is. Unless Jaron Hall absolutely balls out in the preseason, which I'm really hoping he does. Apparently he's looked good in the offseason. But if not, trade for Trey Lance. I don't know what that value would be. He's played four games. One of them was in a monsoon. The other one, he snapped his ankle. So he's really played two games in the NFL. In three years, he's played two games. So I don't know what his value would be. It'd be nowhere near what they traded to get him. But at least get something for him. Because he's too talented to just rot on the bench in in San Francisco. And Minnesota, sitting behind a guy like Kirk Cousins, I think would be very beneficial for him. And Kevin O'Connell would definitely want to expand that offense a little bit more. I could definitely see that happening. Definitely see that happening. Shanahan, what you would think would, but we've seen the blueprint with his dad. He's pretty much a carbon copy of (laughs) Mike Shanahan. Which is why he's held on to Jimmy Garoppolo which is why he's going with Brock Purdy, which is why he wanted Mac Jones, which is why he's interested in getting Kirk Cousins. So maybe if Brock Purdy doesn't work out, they go for Kirk Cousins. Wouldn't be too shocked by that, to be honest and honest with you. But man, it's not looking good for 2021 Logan, where he was like, hey, I think this guy could be the most talented. I think he's, I guess technically, I think he still can be. I think he still can be. But the jury remains out of that. He was compared a lot to Josh Allen, which I, you know, it. Those can I could take or leave Josh Allen comparisons. It was a small school, the raw the raw prospect. He hasn't played a lot of football since college. They won the national championship his freshman year. Didn't he played one game against Central Arkansas in a warm up to the draft, and then didn't play his rookie year apart from two games, and then played two games at the start of this season, snapped his ankle, and one was a monsoon against the Bears. So we're. We're not seeing a lot of football from Trey Lance. I wanted to see it in San Francisco this year, but I don't think we're going to get it. Go to Atlanta. Go to Minnesota. Young coach in Minnesota. Veteran quarterback to learn from. Justin Jefferson. Jordan Addison. I saw a tweet today. It was like, where is this thing? It was so stupid. I've never heard anybody say this before. Someone's quote. So it's Vikings insider was the the Twitter the main Twitter account. It said Vikings rookie wide receiver Jordan Addison is shifty. And someone quote tweeted it. It's a Vikings fan saying replace the deal with Addison was a huge draft. Right? Who the hell said that? No one said that. And if they did, they're trolling. And if they're not, their opinion shouldn't be taken seriously anyways. 
No one in their right mind said that. That is a massive upgrade. But this current stage of Adam Thielen, that is a massive upgrade. No one in their right mind meant that if they said that. So don't try to get, like, uh, nobody said that this could have the. No one said that. Who says this could have, No one said that. No one's disagreed with that. No one said Jordan Addison is a downgrade from current Adam Thielen. No one said that. Again, if they said that, they're trolling, or they shouldn't matter what they said anyways. So let's not care about that. But I have seen a lot of Bears fans, because I think he was quoting a Bears fan saying that. And I have seen a lot of Bears fans doing a little victory lap on Twitter today because Trey Lance had a horrific throw at practice today while he was just on bags. So I there has been a lot of people on Twitter throwing around Trey Lance sucks and all that. But time will tell. Time will still tell. There's a lot of time left for Trey Lance. He's still insanely young. Insanely, insanely young. And like this guy. Justin Fields is him, so you already know where his allegiances lie. The 49ers drafted Trey Lance, put them fr- their franchise four to f- back four to five years. I wouldn't say that. I mean, they were just in the NFC Championship game two years after drafting him. I understand he wasn't a part of the team, but I wouldn't say that uh, four to five years is a little insane. 49ers would be legit Super Bowl contenders with Justin Fields. They're legit Super Bowl contenders now. If anything, they're one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. So there's that's still not true. Justin Fields, who knows? But they're legit Super Bowl contenders now. You can't convince me that your local high school QB wouldn't make this throw, and it's just some, you know, the throw on the backs thing. Uh, yeah, no, I can convince you. I can convince you. There, it's with the speed of that. Yeah, I don't. I there's a lot of high school quarterbacks that could make that throw. <laughs> I understand it looks simple, and it is. And it's not great, but there's bad throws in every practice. Every quarterback is a bad throw at practice. Even Tom Brady had bad throws at practice. Patrick Mahomes is bad throws at practice. Everybody's got bad throws at practice. But that one was bad. <laughs> but four to five years, they're legit Super Bowl contenders now. Easily favorites for the division. And we're look, talking about another NFC NFC Championship game rematch and the NFC Championship game this year. So I don't think they've set their back their franchise back at all. I think if Brock Purdy didn't work out, maybe. But as of right now, no, I don't, I don't think they set anything back, really. I think they're relatively fine. But I brought up the Josh Allen comparisons because, you know, that's what every raw quarterback gets brought up to. And there's a new one this year. So we had last year was Will Levis, which I always said was stupid. He's not Josh Allen. That was Anthony Richardson. We made that comparison. But Will Levis got constantly compared to Josh Allen. Trey Lance got constantly compared to Josh Allen. This year, apparently, Jim Harbaugh is comparing J.J. McCarthy to Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And I got to find this tw- this post again. Where is it at? Yeah. On3.com. J.J. McCarthy doubles down on Jim Harbaugh's Patrick Mahomes-Josh Allen comparison. So here's the start of the article. Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh clearly thinks highly of his quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. He's made it abundantly clear at Big Ten Media Days comparing McCarthy to Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, two of the best players in the NFL. Quote, I think there are some, some, I think some comparing to Patrick Mahomes-Josh Allen would be two. What? That's, that's weird, weirdly, but Harbaugh said, and I know there's others there are others that have that level of talent plus the quarterback. What? And I know there are others that have that level of talent plus the quarterback position willing to do anything for their team. I, okay, I don't that, – that quote doesn't make any sense, but whatever. Maybe it does. I'm just stupid. Uh, it could be a factor too. McCarthy was asked for his reaction to the comparison, saying Harbaugh making it felt good – saying Harbaugh making it felt good. 
looking up to guys like Allen Mahomes is easy for people looking to break into the NFL in the near future. However, McCarthy is still a competitor and wants to be better than the AFC duo one day. Quote, it means so much coming from him, McCarthy said, via Brad Golly X or of WXYZ Detroit. Wow, really creative. <laughs> Quote, I just value his opinion so much. It just reaffirms to be that what I'm doing is the right thing. Just continuing to do that. But at the end of the day, I just got to continue focusing on myself, keep improving myself. I emulate those boys. I have served them all the time, but I am trying to surpass them. I'm trying to surpass them. Now, when making the comparison to Alan Mahomes, Harbaugh was more talking about their interactions with teammates. When you are starting you are starting quarterback of a program such as Michigan, being a leader excelling in the role is important. Harbaugh already likening it to current NFL greats is a positive note for Wolverine fans. Quote, I based off watching the way Patrick Mahomes interacts with his teammates, what he says about his teammates, and what they say about him. Josh Allen, what he says about his teammates, what they say about him. So just looking through the keyhole that way, so just looking through the keyhole that way, but that's what I see in J.J. McCarthy every single day. As for the actual play on the field, McCarthy has a big year ahead of him. Michigan has aspirations of winning a national championship, not just making the college football playoff. McCarthy is going to have to have a special 2023 season in order to do so. Maybe not exactly a Patrick Mahomes to Josh Allen level, but certainly somewhere near cl- nearly close. If McCarthy can pull that off, Harbaugh's comparisons may be looking correct come the end of the year. Well, yeah, if he's close to Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, then yeah, the, the comparison would be pretty accurate, wouldn't it? <laughs> kind of goes without saying at that point. But yeah, I think J.J. McCarthy is a very talented quarterback. He is that guy this year that would, uh, what do you say it's, would you say it's McCarthy or would you say it's Ewers? I think it's either one of those guys. I think McCarthy is a way better athlete than Quinn Ewers. J.J. McCarthy can freaking move, which is why they ended up going with McCarthy over Cade McNamara. We'll talk about Cade McNamara here in a little bit, but J.J. McCarthy can freaking move. He's got an absolute hose for an arm as well. And you saw Michigan start to go a little bit, lean a little bit more on him as the season progressed. You saw his game against Ohio State. The game against CCU had a very solid game there too. He made a bad interception, I believe, if I remember correctly, against Purdue. But very good quarterback. And I think having a run-first offense with two of the the best running back duo in the in college football with Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum, with speaking of the running back duo, both those guys could be in consideration for first-round draft pick next year as well. Everybody in the draft for running back position next year will probably get taken second round. Braylon Allen, same things, he'll fall into that whole trend tires thing. But I digress. I think having those two is very important. And Blake Corum even went on and said that Michigan could have 20 people drafted this year. I think Michigan's going to have a very, very good season, especially if McCarthy takes that aforementioned leap. Like, if he gets to, quote-unquote, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes levels, and we're talking about strictly NFL, because college level, that didn't get Texas Tech or Wyoming very far. <laughs> NFL levels, that's a different story. And McCarthy's a very good quarterback. I had him at, think, number four when he posted this back in, like, May. But, you know, we'll have a, a preseason college football rankings for quarterback position. Come a little bit later. We are a month away, about a month away from Iowa State, Iowa, and you and I's first games. It's September 2nd, so we got college football coming up rather quickly. But McCarthy, I think, is talented enough to get. Like, I don't want to go that far. I don't want to say that far. We can make like more accurate comparisons as we get close to the season, but as of right now, I think that's a little... I think it's always good to bump up your players. I think Harbaugh was smart at clarifying what he meant by that in regards to their interaction with teammates and stuff, because I think that's fair. I think that's very fair, because those two, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, seemingly have great relationship with their teammates. 
in the fans and everything. So if you want to compare them that way, that's fine. I think on the field, we're a little premature on that. But I think as far as the prospect goes, J.D. McCarthy could very well be one of the best quarterbacks in college football next year. Given the way Michigan's offense works, there's a lot less asked of him. I, I don't want to say it like that. It makes it sound bad. But when you have two running backs that are both capable of rushing for over 1,000 yards, that makes your job a little bit easier. I'm not saying it makes it a, like you are got the easiest job. You shouldn't throw any interceptions. You have a perfect season all that stuff. But it does make it easier than a guy that is strictly asked to pass with no rush, rush attack at all. Michigan's offense is very straightforward, and I think we're in line to see them win a third straight Big Ten title, maybe against Iowa, against Cade Matnamar, the guy who replaced. But Pro Football Focus College, this is why I bring up Cade Matnamar. Which Big Ten QB will have the best season this year? They had the pictures, they had Tulia Tagovailoa, J.J. McCarthy, Kyle McCord, Tanner Mordecai, and Drew Alar from Penn State. And our boy is back. The guy from a couple weeks or a couple months ago when we talked about when he first transferred to Michigan or transferred to Iowa, Cade McNamara is back to be the best quarterback in the Big Ten. If we're excluding McCarthy, I know a lot of people are excited about Drew Alar. I think Kyle McCord will put up insane numbers this year given there's receiving core. And he's got he's got maybe – now, we haven't seen him play, really play. But he might have an easier job than McCarthy because his receivers – or even are two top 15 picks. One's a top five pick. One could be a top 10 pick in Ibuka. But he got great running backs behind him too. Like Travion Henderson. Great running back. You got Blake Corum at Michigan. Like you've got some fun. And Tanner Mordecai's got Braylon Allen. Like you've got some fun, fun players in the Big Ten this year. I'm excited. I'm excited. I saw something the other day. We are talking about conference realignment. I saw something that said Clemson. Clemson, Oregon, Washington, and there was one other team. I think it was an ACC team. Where is it at? Where is it at? Clemson, Oregon, Washington. Oh, there it is. There it is. Clemson, Oregon, Washington, Florida State. Joining the Big Ten this week. This week. I took the screenshot yesterday. So by Friday, we could be getting updates about Florida State, Mich- or Florida State, Clemson, Oregon, and Washington joining the Big Ten. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. And that would leave the Pac-12. Like, so those those teams are gone. Oregon's gone. Or Colorado's gone. So that would leave you with Arizona State, Arizona, Cal, Oregon State, Stanford, Utah, and Washington State. That's not a Power 5 conference. I'm sorry. It's not a Power 5 conference. Because remember, we got Washington going to the Big Ten. We got USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. We got Oregon going to the Big Ten. And we got Colorado going to the Big 12. Now... Two of those that we just mentioned are skeptical. We're we're not a, it's not confirmed or anything, but once that gets confirmed, that would be very funny. ESPN just gonna look so odd come that time because we got Colorado going back to the Big Twelve, and we got one more spot in the Big Twelve. So we'll see who gets that. Again, UConn's gonna get linked with there with the basketball stuff. Big Twelve is kind of just a scattergun approach to the conference. Big Ten, similar thing, but having a team in South, <laughs> in South Florida in Provo, Utah. Talk about difference in climates. Like, good Lord. Goodness gracious. But, man. And speaking of that, I thought this would be kind of fun. I saw this. Someone post this on Twitter. We're going to wrap up the show here in a little bit. But I saw this on Twitter. Where did it go? Where did it go? And I know I was just looking at the the thing, but I, I promise I wasn't really paying that much attention because I kind of forgot we were going to do this. Can you name the eight Power 5 schools without a city or without the city or state in their name? And there are eight of them, remember? So we have one ACC team, two Big 12 teams, three 
Big Ten teams, one Pac-12 team, and one SEC team. Okay, so you can play along with this at home. You can play along with this at home. So we've got Northwestern. That's a, that's the first one I think of right away. Purdue is the other one for the Big Ten. Is there – okay, there's obviously three – there's two – no, one more in the Big Ten. Rutgers. I think Rutgers is the other one. Rutgers isn't playing Rutgers. So we've <laughs> got those three. I'm trying to think if there's any other, like, mystery ones that I'm forgetting about in the Big Ten. Those are the three I'm thinking of. I think I'm right. Northwestern, Purdue, and Rutgers. Then you've got the uh, – we'll go to Big 12. Big 12 next. We have got – ooh, Big 12. Oh, okay, BYU. I was thinking straight – I was thinking the the old BYU – the old uh, – what do you call it? The old Big 12. BYU. And then – okay, so Houston. That's the city. UCF, that is Central Florida. It's got Florida in the name. It's got Florida in the name. Does that count? Does that count? Is there one other team in the Big 12 that's not named, doesn't have a city or state in the name? Because Florida's got the state. It's a region, though. So it's that region in the state. Is there any other team in the Big 12 that I'm completely forgetting about that doesn't mention their state because you got Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, West Virginia. We're at eight, I think. Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, BYU, which we just mentioned is the Big 12 team, first Big 12 team. I'm missing two. Wait, no, I'm missing a lot more. Uh, who am I forgetting about? Who? What other teams are there? There's no team in Missouri. There's 12 teams in the Big 12. I feel like I've named like eight. Baylor. Baylor. It's not. Okay, Baylor. There we go. Baylor. I forget. We were going over states, and that got me thinking. Texas Christian, that's got the state in it. But there's the two Big 12 teams. We've got BYU and Baylor. We'll go with the ACC. Clemson? No, Clemson's the city. Clemson, South Carolina, Syracuse, New York, Miami, Pitt, uh, North Carolina, NC State, North Carolina State, Virginia, Virginia Tech, oh, crap, Florida State. Is there any other ACC teams like further in that I'm completely blanking on? Boston College, Duke is Duke. Duke's not Duke's not a city. Yeah, Duke. Okay, Duke for the ACC. And I'll go back and check on this too because I, I, there might be somebody else. Pac-12. Who would be the Pac-12 team that we could do for this? Colorado, Utah. USC, UCLA, Southern Cal, Stanford. Stanford plays in – no, they play in Palo Alto. So Stanford for the Pac-12. And the SEC, last one, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. They play in Nashville. Vanderbilt. So I think that's that's got to be it, right? That's got to be it. That's got to be all the teams, right? Because, okay, Alabama, that's a state. Arkansas is a state. I'm looking at ESPN now. Auburn is a city. Florida is the state. 
Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana State, Mississippi State, Missouri, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt. Okay, there's Van. So Vanderbilt's the SEC one. We'll go to the Big Ten, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, Michigan State, Michigan, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, Ohio State, Penn State, Purdue, Rutgers. Okay, so Rutgers, but then Wisconsin's the other one. Then we go to the Big 12, Baylor, BYU. So, yeah, there's the top two. Is there any other ones like UCF, West Virginia? Okay, no, we got all those ones. Pac-12, Arizona State, Arizona, Cal, Colorado, Oregon, Oregon State, Stanford, UCLA, USC, Utah, Washington, Washington. Okay, so Stanford, ACC, Boston College, Clemson, Duke, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Miami, NC State, North Carolina, Pitt, Syracuse, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest. It's Wake Did I say anybody for the ACC? Did I skip the ACC? What did I say for the ACC? I definitely didn't say Wake Forest. Who the hell did I say for the ACC? Because it's Wake Forest. Did I say Cle- No, I said Duke. I said Duke. Duke's not in Duke, though. Wait, wait. So there's one more. What? Because Duke's... I said Duke for the ACC, and Wake Forest is... Because Wake Forest is... Crap. Is that in Wake Forest? Winston-Salem. Where is Duke? Duke University's not in Duke. Is that a city? Am I... Durham. Okay, so there's two ACC teams for that then. I can believe... Once I got Duke, I was done with it. Hold on. Hold on. I gotta see if anybody challenged that. Because Wake Forest is not a city or state. Duke's not a city or state either. So I... You gotta... You gotta clarify here. I gotta find this. There's Jim Weber on Twitter who I've... Not interacted with... Oh, come on. Wake Forest used to be in the city of Wake Forest. Okay. So, okay, I was fine. I was fine. That works. That works. But technically, no. Wake Forest is not in Wake Forest. They used to be. They're not anymore. So you can't count that. But I got all the rest right. So Duke, Baylor, BYU. I I got all of them right, I should say. He clarified with Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Clemson is the city. We said that. Wake Forest used to be in the city of Wake Forest. I didn't even know Wake Forest is a city. I didn't even know that was a thing. So... To me, that counts because they're not in Wake Forest anymore. Then Baylor, BYU, Northwestern, Rutgers, Purdue, Stanford, Vanderbilt. Fun. Fun, 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 fun. Now, is that all I've got for you today? Oh, I saw this today. Adam Rank, I know a lot of the stuff he does for the NFL is kind of like tongue-in-cheeks. He does always like the Bears are 15-1 and or 15-2 and or whatever. I don't know what they are this year, but AFC's title ranks. His predictions. Jets 13 and 4, Dolphins 11 and 6, Bills 9 and 8. A team that lost their 3 games by a combined 8 points and got better on both sides of the ball is going to get considerably worse going into the season. All right. Noted. Noted. Patriots 8 and 9. I brought this up with Brady and it's to a different level obviously, but this is like the Chiefs last year. Where everybody looked past the Chiefs because their division got better. Everyone's like, oh, the Chiefs might be done. Look at the Chargers. Look at the Raiders. Look at the Broncos. They brought in Russell Wilson. Oh, they said they need a new coach quarterback. They got a new coach quarterback. Look at the Raiders bringing in Devontae Adams. Josh McDaniels is coming in. Oh, look at the Chargers. They brought in Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson. And look what happened. The Chiefs not only won the division, they won the freaking Super Bowl. Happened again. I'm not saying the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. I think that there's a very solid chance, because I'm biased, of course. But 9-8, that's just different kinds of disrespectful. 
like insane, insane levels of disrespect right there. Ridiculous levels of disrespect. But the final thing I want to talk about, the United States for the Women's World Cup, they qualify for the knockout stage with a lucky nil-nil draw against Portugal. And it, it, it's a weird feeling because they did what they needed to do. I didn't, I'm not going to sit here and act like I watched the game. It was at 2 o'clock in the morning. Didn't watch it. Not even afraid to admit that. No chance at all I was getting up for that. I went to bed at like 8. So there was no chance I was getting up at 2 to watch that game. And they drew nil-nil draw. Lack of subs again. Megan Rapinoe was brought on the 61st minute. She was the only sub until the 84th minute when Trinity Rodman and Emily Sonic came on. And then Alyssa Thompson came on the 90th and Kelly O'Hara came on the 90th as well. So the lack of subs, like there's a very big uh, anti-Valco Anadovasiv. <laughs> Ananovsky, sorry. I don't know. Nando, Vladko Ananovsky. There's a big, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Hatred towards him right now because they're just not playing very good. This is three games where you could say they haven't played great. This is all going from other sources. I get it. I didn't watch it, but from what I can tell, they didn't sound like they played very well. And you look what the Netherlands did to Vietnam. They beat them 7-0. U.S. beat them 3-0. The U.S. does not look as dominant. And this could come, I'm not saying that they still are, they can't win the World Cup. There's obviously a very solid chance they can still do that. They're the number one ranked team in the world. They've been the number one ranked team in the world since 2017. There's a lot of good teams out there. There's a lot of good teams. Like Japan just battered Spain 4 nothing battered Spain 4 nothing. Japan looks to be the favorites right now, the way they just beat down Spain. Didn't think that was happening. I don't know if Spain played a weaker team from what it looked like in the lineup. It looked like they played a relatively strong team. Portugal hit the post this game. So the only thing that kept the United States from going home is the post. They acted like they just won the World Cup. Now, I, I understand you did what you had to do. You could qualify for the knockout stage, but the job's not done yet. Job's not done yet. You haven't been as dominant as you have been in years past. There's a huge-ass target. I guess you could say there's been a huge-ass target on their back there every single World Cup, but when you only advance because a team hit the post, I won't be celebrating like I just won the World Cup. That's just my opinion. I'm not saying they can't celebrate. I'm not saying that at all. You qualify for the knockout stage. That's impressive enough. All right, impressive enough. Not for, the, not, not for this level. Not for the United States. Like, obviously winning is the next level. But it's important to qualify for the knockout stage. So congratulations on qualifying, but it's going to be a, it's a tough, tough hill. Tough hill to climb now. I think they're playing either Sweden or Nigeria next. So we'll have to wait and see, but I haven't been as comfortable watching this World Cup as I did in 2019. Like, they flattened teams in 2019. Flattened teams in 2019. They're not really doing that right now. They're not really, they're kind of squeaking by. Game against the Netherlands, they got lucky. They got outplayed against the Netherlands. From what it sounded like, they got outplayed against Portugal. So we'll have to wait and see. What they what the knockout stage holds from the winner of Group G again is between Sweden or not Sweden. What am I talking about? Sweden and, and Italy. Sweden and Italy because Sweden and Italy or no? Yeah, 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 yeah. What am I talking about? What was the thing I saw earlier? Why did I see a Nigeria thing? Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I gotta find this now because now I'm I'm feel like I'm seeing things. Oh, it is Italy. Winner of Group G, Italy versus Sweden. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, okay, it was it was Sweden, not Nigeria. But that's all I've got for you today. I do hope you enjoyed this uh, Wednesday edition of Logan Blackman show. And, yeah, hopefully Trey Lance does good this year. Hopefully he gets some playing time this year. Hopefully Anthony Richardson gets some good playing time as well. I'm always going to be cheering for Anthony Richardson. I'm glad he's on the Colts because I like the Colts. So I, 
I had a Peyton Manning jersey when I was growing up, so I have no real ill will towards the Indianapolis Colts. Like, every quarterback that I seem to like that in the NFL draft gets go, goes to a team that I despise. So, I'm happy he's on the Colts. I'm excited for this season. This is the last month of no football. We got NFL football on Thursday. We have two days or one day from when the show comes out for the NFL. Exciting, exciting times. Now, nobody's going to play in that game. We're not going to see Rodgers, Watson, any of those guys, but it's going to be fun. Hard Knocks comes out the week after, so it'll be fun. We're getting fun times. Fun times are back, ladies and gentlemen. Football is back. Now, again, make sure you follow Logan Blavich on all those different forms of social media we brought up earlier. Make sure you follow the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts, and I will see you guys later. Peace.